Support for this podcast and the following message come from Internet Essentials from Comcast. Connecting more than 6 million low-income people to low-cost, high-speed Internet at home. So students are ready for homework, class, graduation, and more. Now they're ready for anything. You'd figure Paul McCartney, the most well-known songwriter on planet Earth, would have confidence in his ability to write a song. But he told Robin Hilton and I this. I don't know how to do this. You would think I do, but it's not one of these things you ever know how to do. I'm Bob Boylan with All Songs Considered on this Plus One podcast, an informal, candid conversation with Paul McCartney. He has a new collection of songs called Pure McCartney. We'll talk about that and his 40-plus years of writing music on his own and making music with his wife Linda, Wings, The Fireman, and for James Bond. What I love about this conversation is how in love with music McCartney remains and how there's still such a spark in his enthusiasm and wonder in the magic of making music. Paul McCartney went through his huge catalog of post-Beatles music from 1969 to the present, and we asked him what it was like to go through something like 30 albums of material and distill it down to a single collection of songs. Well, it's very interesting because... I don't often listen to my own stuff once I've recorded it. I tend to be either rehearsing for a concert or (laughs) writing some new stuff and recording some new stuff. So it's actually great fun um, thinking, oh, yeah, I remember that one. Well, that's how it goes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, it's, uh, it's nice. I mean, some of it's nostalgic. Some of it's just reviewing some work of mine from from years ago you know so it's a good experience i like it i'm wondering if you had a, a anything that you were looking for in particular if there was some sort of arc or story that you were trying to tell with with the mix no not really um no it was originally suggested to me it'd be great to just have a bunch of songs for a long car journey <laughs> you know you're going you're traveling two three hours and you just want to listen to something. I like that idea. So we started talking about that, me and one of the uh, girls in my office. We came up with what we thought would be a pretty cool McCartney playlist. Speed along the highway Honey, I want it my way But So that's how it started, and that's how it developed. Was there anything when you went through this stuff that surprised you of what you did? There were some um, songs, as I say, that I just hadn't heard literally since I'd recorded them. 
One was um, called Arrow Through Me. funky little thing with interesting harmonies quite an interesting brass riff as I say you know that was literally something I'd recorded and then not listened to again was that so uh, was that from back through. to the egg is that where that was from I'm just trying oh, to... you 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 tell me <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm my worst analyst I you know I, I have no idea but, um, <laughs> I'm terrible, you know, I, I just record them and then sort of move on. Which so. makes me think about that whole recording process of, about what, how you wrote a song, let's say, on your own in 1969, and then how you do it now. Like, has anything changed about that process for you? How do you do it? It's, uh, it's basically the same, I think. If I was to sit down and try and write a song now, I would use my usual method. I would either sit down with a guitar or, or at the piano and just look for melodies, chord shapes, musical phrases, some words, a thought to get started with. And then I would tend to just sit there with that and work it out, uh, like I'm writing an essay or like I'm doing a crossword puzzle or something. But that's the system that I've always used, that John and I started originally well we actually wrote individually before we met each other so i think that is the normal system that most people always used but i think with the advent of computers and devices to manipulate things i think nowadays people can mess around with stuff until they find something that's particularly inspiring and then they can often build a track or a song around that the Fireman collaboration was one of the more interesting ones for me and, and music that I, I really, really loved. Yeah, that's... Sing the Changes is the one song for me that's so memorable from that time oh, period. Does you. Do, do you recall? <laughs> yeah, well, that, that originally started uh, with a friend of mine who uh, did a mix for me. He calls himself Youth. His name's actually Martin Glover, <laughs> but he goes by the name of Youth. And... Um, after he'd done this mix for me, we became friends. And uh, one day, you know, we said, well, let's do something together. I said, yeah, I, I, I want to keep it very light and I want to just have fun in the studio. I don't really want to um, take it too seriously. He did kind of DJ stuff. He did club music. So the first thing we did together was that kind of thing, so late night trancey music. So that was, a, that was a very interesting project because I felt like I was just playing in the studio. Mm. I would just go out and he'd say, oh, pretend to be a DJ. So the track was by now sort of working, something like that. And I would just say, okay, good morning, everyone. It's a sunny <laughs> morning here in Arizona. And I would just jive away for 10 minutes. And he would just pick out a bit, sunny morning in Arizona. 
Arizona, Arizona. <laughs> you just play with it, you know. So that developed, and we did a couple of records like that together, uh, just because it was pure fun. It didn't sell hardly anything. <laughs> so that was kind of, that took any pressure that was remaining right off. You're the only person um, I can think of who would say it didn't sell and that took the pressure off. I like, <laughs> I like that. That's well, true. You know, <laughs> I mean, we were, we were treating it like a sort of oddball project. Yeah. And that was the fun for both of us. Yeah, but then eventually the, the latest one, which is the one, the album you're talking about, with, uh, he said to me, well, what about a vocal? I said, but there's no song. We, we're just making it up. And he sort of gave me a sort of look like, yeah, but, you know, you could make something up, couldn't you? <laughs> so I sort of ran out into the studio making a disclaimer to all the engineers and said, guys, this could be like the end of my career. This is going to be terrible. So I've, I've no idea what I'm even trying to do here. So I would just go out and over the backing track that we developed, I would just throw ideas out, a stream of consciousness, so the, the white bird, the green leaf, <laughs> and I'd start singing it, well, well, the white bird, the green leaf, and eventually you'd pull some sort of sense out of it. It's a bit like William Burroughs used to do, you know, in mm. sort of his cut-ups, and you would just take little phrases and make them make sense. So uh, that became a vocal album, but it was absolutely made up on the spot. There was no idea what the melody was or what the words were. And we just had poetry books where I would just look at a phrase I liked and adapt it. And so that was one huge ad lib. But yeah, some of the songs came together and I'm glad you like seeing the changes. Totally. Do, do you miss working with other people? Um, well, I I work with other people all the time, basically. Well, you know, mean, meaning today writing. I'm at my it's studio working my band, writing with other people. Yeah, you. I mean, obviously, I mean, the, the biggie is I miss working with John, um, yeah. because that was something very special, and uh, you know, it's very difficult to replicate that. In fact, I'd say it's impossible, mm -hmm. because you know we met each other as teenagers and went through a lot of life together, uh, hitchhiking to Paris and uh, having holidays and working together and being in Hamburg together with the Beatles. 
So we were very intimate. We knew each other intimately uh, as only sort of teenage friends can. You know, we knew what music each other liked. We knew what our tastes were in art and literature, etc. You know, and we shared a lot of tastes. So when we came to write together, it started off very simply, but because of all this experience together, then we, we grew together. And I think that that's, as I say, it's pretty impossible to do again, you know? Yeah. I doubt whether I'll be able to be teenage again. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you certainly write and record and tour and you just never stop. You certainly have the energy, enthusiasm and, and inspiration of one. <laughs> well, you know, I, I do like it. You know, it's a, it's a great thing. The audiences are so great. They, they make it special. And of course, you know, they evolve. Uh, it depends what country you're in. Like recently, we've just been playing a, a couple of big uh, stadiums. So you get kind of a football crowd, you know, like a soccer crowd. So you'll be on stage about to announce a song, then you'll hear, <laughs> so you've got to respond to that. Yeah. So we normally try and find what key they're in and provide a backing <laughs> to it. <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, but that kind of thing makes it really quite spontaneous and, you know, you do your songs and... You know, they're, they're very sort of warm and uh, it makes it a very enjoyable evening. So it's hard to think of stopping something like that when it's that exciting. I saw one of your DC shows a, a few years back and thinking about the live experience, the song Live and Let Die is always a highlight during uh, your concerts. And, and thinking about the whole writing process that you were talking about just a minute ago, mm. Live and Let Die is included in this new collection. And when I saw that, one of the thoughts I had was, you were given very specific directions. This is for this film. And I'm wondering how it compares with how you normally work, the, the notion of writing with these restrictions that are given to you. Like it yeah. has to be this um, thing. Or is it helpful? Be, yeah. Yeah, you know, I kind of liked it. Uh, number one, because growing up as a songwriter, one of the things a lot of songwriters quite aspire to doing is writing a Bond song. It had, you know, at that time particularly, it had become something that a lot of writing friends would have done, you know, and I knew I, I was kind of interested in it. So really the only restriction I was given was that it was for a Bond film, so I had to see what my interpretation of that would be, and the title, you know, there was no way around that. It That's all they gave you? It was what I'd do with it, <laughs> you know, obviously I was going to do a play on Live and Let Live, and then Live and Let Die. So, and, I, and as I say, I knew I could start it in my style, but fairly soon there had to be an explosion and it had to get Bondy. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, so that, that was what I did. I read the book, I think it was on the Saturday. I read the Ian Fleming book to see what I was getting into and then sat down on the Sunday and wrote the song. Um, and then I... I had a section that I knew I needed help on, so I got George Martin, our Beatles producer, to to help me on that. And I I just, again, just threw him a couple of little plonks and plinks of ideas, um, which he orchestrated. You know, he he was uh, such an expert that he could make it sound like a Bond soundtrack. Say live and let die. 
funny thing was, we finished the record and we were kind of pleased with it. We thought, well, this is good, this will do, great, you know. And uh, George actually flew out to the Caribbean where they were filming and uh, he took it along to the producers, I think it was Cubby Broccoli, and I think they were on some beach somewhere and he had a little old-fashioned record player and he had a little disc with the song on it. And so he played it, apparently, as he told the story, he played it to Cubby Broccoli and he said, well, what do you think? And Cubby apparently said, oh, well, that's great for the demo. When are you going to record it? <laughs> I was like, uh, no, that's it, that's Cub. It. <laughs> wow. So, uh, you know, but the, the restrictions you talk about, it wasn't too restricting. I say, you know, I, nobody said to me, you've got to do this, got to do that. Um, I wanted to, I just knew if I was starting kind of ballad style, which I was, mm -hmm. that then I would have to up the tempo and, and you know, make it more Bond-like. Uh, but I like that. You know, I think some people would think, oh, no, no, I've just got to write purely um, from the soul. But I quite like songwriting sometimes as a craft where you're given an idea and you've got to make it work. And um, sometimes... Like in that case, it was it was good fun to do it. I mean, I mentioned before crossword puzzles. My dad was very into crossword puzzles, so he got me into them. So I like this idea of solving a puzzle. And in songwriting, you get that kind of thing happening. You've you've gone down one road, you know, when you were young, you said live and let live, and now you're going to say live and let die. Hey, Bond, boom, da da da, da da da. Hey, Bond. And then it's like, okay, where do we go from here? Well, do we come back down? Do we do this? It's a, it's a little puzzle that you've got to solve. And I like it because if you get what you think is a good solution, then it's satisfying. So many of your songs are like three or four songs in a single song. Is that something you consciously think of or does it just sort of naturally lead you there? I think I do think of it. I think, um, okay, I'd like to write something now that is like this. And I get a, a very vague idea of what I'm going to do. So uh, a song in that vein is, is Band on the Run, yeah, which is also gonna... on this collection. You know, again, that starts off in one place and goes to another place. So it's a sort of story song, an episodic thing. But I wanted that because I wanted to write that kind of a song. And also with the idea of Band on the Run. I thought, okay, well, the characters have got to be in prison. And then for them to be a Band on the Run, they've got to break out. So these little story points were kind of obvious. They sort of suggested themselves. Prison, break out, on the run, nighttime in the desert. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, yeah, so that was a nice one to write. Um, but yeah, I did start off thinking, I'm going to write that kind of a song.
Going back through these, and you take a song like Band on the Run and going back through the, your archives to, to pick the songs for this new collection, I'm wondering if you heard anything that you thought a sound maybe that you'd like to revisit, um, or something that you heard and you thought, I'd like to do that again. It's been a while. Huh. <laughs> um, like, yeah, do you ever you steal know, that, from yourself? That, or? That, that does happen, you know. Um, things go through vogues, you know, and so you, you will work a certain way and because you've been there, done that, you then move away from it. And as you say, if you then listen to something that reminds you, I mean, I was just thinking of the song Listen to What the Man Said, where there's a really nice saxophone part. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tom Scott, mm-hmm. the uh, great sax player, played that. And um, that's something I haven't done for a while, just have a kind of solo saxophone. And listening to it the other day, there was a bit of that. Yeah, I think, well, that'd be nice. The saxophone is back. I think it's back in vogue. You're hearing it more and more in rock and pop. (laughs) Exactly, you know. Oh, I'd better not use it then. (laughs) (laughs) Do you feel like uh, having having done so much music and talking about the craft of, of songwriting, do you feel like you are now able to be more expressive, that you've got this craft down so well I, I think it's always difficult you know mm-hmm. or it's easy there's, there's no <laughs> there's no sort of point where you you just think okay now I can do it I'll just sit down and do it it's not like woodworking it's not like a you know that that sort of handy no, craft no it, I think it, it's a little more um, fluid than that you know it's uh, one of these things you talk to people who make uh, records make uh, albums and you always go into the studio thinking Oh, well, I know this. I've done a lot of stuff. I've got it down, you know, right. Uh, and then you realize it's, you're doing it all over again. You're starting from square one again. So, you know, that, that is the truth. You never got it down. It's, uh, it's this very fluid thing, music. I kind of like that. You know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't like to be blasé or think, you know, oh, I know how to do this. In fact, I teach a class at... Uh, a school which is which uh, we have up in Liverpool, which was my old school that I went to, and it's the school that George Harrison went to as well, the Liverpool Institute High School for Boys, uh-huh. and it now is a performing arts school. We kind of uh, it was about to fall down, we rescued it and did this thing. So I do a, a little songwriting class with with the students, and nearly always the first thing I go in and say, "Okay, kids," I say, "I don't know how to do this." <laughs> you would think I do, but it's not one of these things you ever know how to do. You know, I can say to you, right, select a key, we'll now select a rhythm, now make a melody, now think of some great words, put them on it. That's not necessarily the answer. 
you can't make a formula. And if you could, you wouldn't want to. <laughs> could you imagine not, not writing songs again? Could you imagine stopping? Not really, you know. I, uh, I do like it. I, I do enjoy it. When I get a day off and I suddenly find I've got loads of time on my hands, if I'm at home, I might, uh, you know, I live on a farm, so I might get out for a horse ride or something. But when I've done those things that I want to do, then and there's still a couple of hours uh, in the afternoon, I would often just gravitate towards a piano or a guitar, start noodling around, and I find myself writing a song, you know. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's like a hobby. It's quite a hobby. It's quite a hobby. It's quite a hobby, yeah. And it's a hobby that turned into a uh, living, you know. But uh, but I like to think of it uh, that way. And I sometimes do sort of pull myself up and think, are you taking this seriously enough? Don't look at me this way too soon to see what's gonna be don't look at me all my life i never knew what i could be what i could do then we were new I'm of the school that likes to try and be instinctive um, and, and just hopefully just... I, I once uh, worked with Allen Ginsberg and Allen always used to say, first thought, best thought. And then he would edit everything first and thought, revise everything. Yeah. But um, I think the theory is good, first thought, best thought. It doesn't always work, mm -hmm. but as a general idea, I will try and do that. And sometimes I come out with a, a puzzling set of words that I have no idea what I mean. And yet I've got to kind of try and make sense of it. I've got to try and follow the trail. Was it the other day I came up with something? Um, I've been taken for my younger brother. <laughs> I go, what? why did I say that? And what can I possibly mean if this is an opening of a song, you know? So you just sort of think, oh... <laughs> anyway, we do have fun trying to work out what that means. And it's, it's a magical thing because if you actually do write a song um, and get, or, or at least get the basis of a song, it's very special because you sit down with a guitar and there's nothing on the page and you start noodling around and something comes. And I say, if you're lucky at the end of three hours, two or three hours, there'll be a, a structure, there'll be an actual song. Um, and that's a very satisfying feeling. I'm imagining you in this car ride with this magic playlist of 67 songs, 
and you're you're heading down the the highway uh, is there one song that you would love to hear come up in your playlist jenny wren is uh, a kind of interesting song that uh, it was never a single so a lot of people might not know it like so many girls jenny wren could sing but a broken heart took a song away Like the other girls, Jenny ran to Queen, she could see the Jenny Wren was written in California, and I had uh, specially gone to this canyon that, that I like, which is a little bit of nature in the middle of Los Angeles, which there are these pockets. And I know this particular little place, so I'd, I was just pulled over in my car. I just opened the doors up, and, and I just started writing this little song. The trail I was to follow turned out to be about a girl called Jenny Wren. The story that started to come to me was that the world was such a messed up place that it had depressed her and stopped her singing. So she kind of lost her voice, uh, you know. Mm. Um, and then the idea for the wrap up of the song was maybe one of these days she'll sing again maybe it won't always be a mess you know maybe Hope. maybe um people will see the light people will do the right things because uh, i kind of believe that people sort of do that it's a little bit naive and optimistic but i think in a in a family situation uh, generally speaking from my experience you find people want justice, they want peace, they want to love each other, they want uh, their country to be something noble. So this was the idea, this was that maybe this will happen. And I think it is, it's an enduring hope for a lot of people. Uh, but you know, on the way to it, we go through a lot of the other. Yeah, this is beautiful. Thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thank you, Paul. You're very welcome. Good to talk to you. I love the radio station. <laughs> Cheers, my friend. <laughs> Be well. Take care. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Paul McCartney. His new collection of songs is called Pure McCartney. I'm Bob Boylan along with Robin Hilton. For NPR Music, it's all songs considered.
Thanks for listening to and supporting NPR Podcasts. To view the entire NPR podcast catalog, visit npr.org slash podcasts. That's npr.org slash podcasts.